listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 137. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and today, Nick, today is our Money in the Bank 2019 recap show. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, to say that there was a controversial finish to the Money in the Bank match last night, the men's Money in the Bank match last night, to say that I think might be an understatement. It has been what many have been talking about ever since the show, and it was a pretty packed show in terms of things happening as well. So that's that's saying something when mostly what we're talking about is the finish to the men's Money in the Bank. Of course, the close of the show. We Wait, had there wasn't a championship matches, match? Changes. We had title changes. Well, we had championship matches. We had lots of them. We had champions, cha- championships changing hands all over this show, swerves and all kinds of stuff. But, man, people are talking about that finish. So uh, let us not waste any more time. we got a, a big show to talk about and lots of things that happened. But before that, let's do some housekeeping, Nick, and then we can get into it. Yes. Uh, in case you guys weren't in the group last night, you want to make sure you're in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Thanks to everybody for hanging out last night in the live chat and the watch party during the pre-show. Both of those were a lot of fun and couldn't have worked out much better. Really enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to get in on it, head over to Facebook.com. Look for Busted Wide Open. Send us a join request. We will get you right in. You can also follow us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. YouTube, because we're going alive again very, very soon, like within the next week or so, very soon. Yeah. I figured it all out, guys. I figured it out. I figured it out. We're going live. YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that notification bell so that you're alerted anytime we schedule new live shows. You'll want to be doing that, I promise. Uh, also, last and certainly not least, uh, thank you to all of our patrons. And if you want to get in on some of that and support the show, head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. Get in on listener questions every single week. Great bonus episodes for the $10 tier. All kinds of swag, you name it. All kinds of good stuff over at Patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, I want to apologize to the listeners before we get started here because uh, if I went quiet at the end of the show, it's because I had to go run a, some wind sprints outside to calm down but we can't (laughs) start the show with that uh we have to kick things off with the pre-show yes the pre the pre-show uh i actually had to leave early from the group chat because i had to go to work i was 45 minutes late to work uh obviously i didn't i have not learned my lesson that wwe pay-per-views go on forever uh but it's okay because my my last (laughs) image was the finish of this whole show and i was just running out the door just going god damn it Son of a bitch! Running out the door, running down to my car. Uh, good times. But yes, Nick, let's lead up to that. Let's start with the pre-show, as yeah. you say. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. So we when we made our picks, I actually, in the middle of our show, I went online and went to look up. Because when we were making our picks, we said, well, we're going to pick different things. Depending on if this is for the titles, for Bryan's and, and Rowan's SmackDown Tag Championship titles, or if it's not. And online, it indeed said it was a SmackDown tag title uh, match. But then on this show, 
Which I mean, ruled I out the Usos for both of us, basically. Well, yeah, we were like, there's no way the Usos are going to win because it's for the championships. And, you know, Daniel Bryan and Rowan just got them, and the and the Usos are raw guys. So we said, well, there's no way the Usos are going to win here because that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and I think, I mean, I have to go back and listen to what we said on our actual show, but I think I said, you know, if it's the other way around, I could see the Usos picking it up because 50-50 booking, even though that would be dumb because it just invalidates the whole point of putting over Rowan and Bryan in the first place and making them look strong. Well, we had actually a really very entertaining, exciting match here. As you would expect, these are two very talented teams. Um, and it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. But then at the end, the Usos won clean with uh, a double splash. And I was we were both sitting there going, wait, what? Are the Usos the now the SmackDown tag champions? No, it was a non-title match all wait, of a sudden. I, I even remember asking in the chat, wait, what? That was for the that wasn't for the titles? What, yeah. what was the point? What was what was the the point was to give the Usos their heat back, but then what was the point of the whole thing? Right. <laughs> why I, take it off why, of them in why? the first place? I mean, I understand it was okay, it was a good match. It got the crowd hyped, the good guys went over, fine. But there wasn't any other match we could have had here that would have got the crowd hyped and not just kind of muddled the whole picture with Daniel Bryan and Rowan uh, as champions and the and the Usos. Like, yeah, I, this was bizarre to me. This yeah. was biz- uh, bizarre thinking. I'm not quite sure. Uh, obviously, other than the argument uh, for 50-50 booking, you know, to have no one look that much better than anybody else. Uh, but I, just, I never really buy that argument. You know, yeah. that doesn't ever really work for me. So as much as I was entertained by the match, I was very confused by the finish. Uh, we both picked, uh, you know, Brian and Rowan to retain their titles. So I guess technically we were right. They did retain, but they <laughs> lost this match. And I'm curious where they go from here. They showed Daniel Bryan in a clip on WWE.com meditating in a parking garage later, staring at his titles and wondering if he's a failure. I even so said, this, I even you know, said Usos first on, on the preview show last yeah. week, if you remember that. And then I was like, nah, it's not possible. Daniel and Rowan are retaining it because there's no way in hell they're going to take the SmackDown Live tag titles yeah. to Monday Night Raw. If they do some sort of storyline where Daniel Bryan gets even more vicious because he lost once, great, cool. I could see what that, but you know, I don't trust them to tell that story. Uh, hopefully that's, that's the case here. That's what they're trying to do. But yeah. otherwise, you know, this was a pre-show match. Uh, it was what it did. What it did, it, it served its purpose. It hyped the crowd. The good guys went over. Boom. Uh, one other quick note: Rowan, Rowan, Rowan shirt, shirt watch. watch. Oh, Rowan he, shirt watch. It wasn't went, like folk metal this time. No, he went pretty mainstream this time. He was a, it was a Slipknot shirt. So they have a obs- new album out. Obs- by the way. There. They have a new album. They they are the new NXT theme song is a Slipknot song, which. We are not uh, your kind. Yeah, I like we I like the old your... I like the previous NXT theme song a little bit better. That's just me. Yeah, not, it's been no going prob- for like five years though. No problem with Slipknot whatsoever. Just that's not their best song. No, uh, the one that they wrote for NXT, and it's it's weird seeing everyone and all the the NXT wrestlers, good and bad, in the ring going, "We are not your kind." And I don't even know <laughs> what does that even mean. What does that even mean? We're not your kind. What? What? Well, in the context of Slipknot, it makes sense. We understand that. Does it? Well, does it? Yeah, because they wear masks and they're weird. Um, but what? <laughs> doesn't what is no? That doesn't. That still doesn't make any sense. Oh no, it doesn't. You're right. No, it doesn't. The pulse of the maggots makes more sense than that. Sure. Anyway, sure. Uh, he put. I put my fingers into my eyes. <laughs> I'd have taken that. Anyway, uh, so moving, moving on to the main show. The main show opened with the women's money in the bank. We actually saw Naomi come out. Naomi. At the end of the Naomi, right? Naomi. 
came out at the end of the pre-show, uh, dressed up in a bee costume. The uh, it actually was based on Bumblebee from DC Comics, which is uh, I think supposedly, according to history, the first black female superhero. Uh, so that was her inspiration for that outfit. It actually looked really good on her. I yeah, thought it looked really cool. <laughs> Better than some of her normal outfits. I, it looked really awesome, actually. Um, and she actually she did a good job with it. Um, there, you know, there wasn't really much else to the pre-show except for a really nice yelling match between Sonya Deville and... Uh, uh, Zelina uh, Vega. Zelina Vega, thank you. That was That was very feisty and spirited, and I liked it. And it certainly it lent a lot more energy to the the panel of Coach and Otunga and right. Doink Ambrose, aka Sam Roberts. So it was, uh, yeah, that was a nice little one. But yeah, we went straight into the women's Money in the Bank match. And um, way to kick it so, off, Jesus, dude! And it was, I gotta say, this was probably the best women's ladder match I've ever seen. Yeah. It started start out that. a little bit slow. Um, I got a little concerned a, at the beginning before yeah. they really kicked it, shifted it into gear. Uh, the second half of the match was brilliant. It was so. I think if I were to nitpick, it did feel a little bit choreographed. I mean, that, you'd have to expect that this is going to be yeah. choreographed with that many people. But it's just you know, the men's did not feel as choreographed. It felt a little bit smoother. I think that's just. Maybe experience. I don't know what it is. Uh, this definitely felt like you could see them looking around for who's got the next spot. And some of the spots themselves, like Nikki Cross was doing the, uh, the airplane spin with the the ladder around her her neck. And some people sold it like death. And some some women just it, you know looked like they were running right at it and then bouncing off of it for no reason. Mandy. And uh, so yeah, it was varying degrees of success with how they sold that. Uh, as well as as Naomi doing some really cool dodging uh, of some ladders, some ladders were being uh, thrown at her. Or, or, you know, people were like running at her ladders, and she was dodging them by doing splits. And it was it, that was cool, but it it did feel a little choreographed. But if you just sat back and enjoyed it as a spectacle, as a, as, as an athletic spectacle, it was great. And as yeah. you said, the second half was was money. Was money. Um, We got to this point where Mandy Rose was outside and Sonya Deville had escorted her to the ring and in a strength spot, uh, the likes of which I had never seen before, Sonya Deville hucks Mandy back into the ring, throws her up on her shoulders in a fireman carry and a firewoman carry, I guess I should say, and climbs the ladder with Mandy on her shoulders in order to try to get her the money in the bank contract. And there was part well, of this, me that was going, this, this is a great story. This, uh, yeah. And there was a lot of great, like in the match storytelling, like the, uh, all the story they had here was pretty much done in this match. And you're talking about near the finish. Like there was a lot of great stuff before that too. I mean, first of all, you had Nikki cross, Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember moon, and Carmella. And every single one of them had at least one cool spot. Um, Carmella actually got carted off at one point because Mandy quote unquote injured her knee. And when she came back close to the end of the match, the way she beat up Mandy Rose was genuinely nice and stiff. It was, it was very crisp. Um, you know, Nikki cross, as we said, she had a, her draping, uh, DDT finisher. She did one time and the, the, the spot with the airplane with the ladders, um, Naomi, as we said, has had a couple of really great athletic spots, a split legged moonsault onto a ladder, um, Natalia and Ember Moon. Ember Moon gave Natalia. Ember Moon was on a ladder outside the ring and gave an eclipse to Natalia inside the ring that may be one of the most brutal eclipses I've ever seen her give. Yeah, I thought Natalia was dead. Yeah. 
<laughs> she she ragdolled her. into a heap on the mat. Oh, that's for sure. Oh, I thought she was genuinely injured. It looked brutal. <laughs> uh, Dana Brooke, as we suspected, had a very cool high spot. At one point, she was in the top of the ladder, and the ladder was moved, and she was left hanging from the briefcase and swinging back and forth for about 15 seconds. Uh, in a, it was a very, very spectacular spot. So she got some good looks there. Um, and so it was all around. It was Everyone got a nice look. Everyone had some good story. But as you say, Nick, at the end, it was that great moment when Sonya Deville came in and saved Mandy Rose from Carmella. And Sonya's not in the match, but she gets... Mandy on her shoulders, and as you say, she carries her strength spot up the ladder, which I, I have to say, like it, it felt a little bit, the crowd was booing, nobody wanted Mandy to win, she was kind of one of those dark horse, like, oh, Vince loves her, she's going to get the push, and so everyone's going, oh, no, not like this, not another assisted finish, because that was the beef with the Carmella winning with, uh, with Ellsworth's help. Everyone was like, why did it have to be an assisted finish? Couldn't they just win it on their own? So the crowd completely just mad at what was happening. Mandy Rose is going to win. She's going to be assisted. And the, the camera gets in tight. We get to the top. She's about to grab it. And Bailey, out of nowhere, runs in, tears up to the top of the ladder, and gets right up in Mandy's face, stares at her cold, dead-eyed for two seconds, knocks her off the ladder, grabs a briefcase, and Bailey wins women's money in the bank yay great great that crowd popped hard great moment well done finish to the match all around this this actually stayed the best match on the card for most of the card yeah and i would say actually if it wasn't for one or two spectacular matches later in the show this would have been the best match on the card you're talking about so, roman elias I am absolutely not talking about roman and elias but oh <laughs> oh we will get to that yes. we will get to that um, but again, I, I like the fact that every woman here stood out. Everyone had a moment. They didn't make, they didn't give anyone short shrift here. I felt like everyone got their spots in. Everyone looked good. And to me, that is the sign of a good, a good multi-person match is everyone gets their shit in. Yep. And they did. This was, this was fantastic. If yep. they can pull this off with the women's money in the bank every year. This will be something I look forward to every time. This was absolutely my fa- just for the record. This is my favorite thing that happened on this entire card. Really? Wow. Uh, I mean, the, and the ensuing events after what le- what it led to. So I'll, yes. I'll, I'll okay. say that right. My right. the whole the whole situation. Um, In case y'all didn't watch the show, we'll we'll try to go through this and not reveal anything that's coming I'm, up. <laughs> I'm not revealing anything. I'm just no. saying that I I loved the way this ended. I love the way it was executed. I love the way later events were executed that we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, really well done uh, putting this match well, together. Guys. Of course, you liked how this ended because you did indeed pick Bailey. Of course, and uh, and you took an early lead on the Pickums in this show, sir. You had me sweating for most of the show. <laughs> uh, the next match was speaking of sweating. The next match was Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title. And this is where we get the first of what became to be a theme on this show, which was referees screwing up. And uh, this match, Joe got busted open. Luckily, he broke his nose fairly early. Uh, we couldn't tell what it was that, that broke his nose or if it was a broke. Whatever. He, he got busted open. Yeah. The dude was bleeding. And uh, Ray went for a, a little roll-up pin. Joe's shoulders were nowhere near down. His left shoulder was up like a foot off that mat. Ref still counted the one, two, three. Gave Ray the win. Ray looked like he was completely in shock. Joe is the master of looking shocked when he loses. Um, 
It's particularly effective when his blood's streaming from his nose and forehead. Right. Um, and it's also great because then Dominic came down to celebrate with his dad and Joe proceeded to just murder everyone in, <laughs> in his fury. Well, so here's the strange thing. We are not sure, and no one really knows. There, it's a rumor that because Joe got busted open, they cut this match early and that the ref being out of position and not counting Joe's sh- shoulders down was intentional. Yep. Um, well, and we don't... The, it, it, there's been a little bit of zoom-ins and fancy you know, edits and everything where you can see what looks like Ray saying, let's go home. And I'm wondering yeah. if that was meaning just let's let's end the match now because he, he might have communicated to Ray that he broke his nose. So let's that just go home. Let's stop, get it done. That, that will never stop Joe. Joe has had like a flap of skin hanging down over one eye and he's continued to match. He's sure. not stopping because his nose gets, nose gets tweaked. That's definitely going to be a call from up on high. I could see someone in the back cutting the match early because they don't want to have a bloodbath uh, out there. But at the same time, I don't think Joe was busted open that badly for one thing. Um, unless I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure. No one's really sure what happened at the end of this match, whether that was intentional. Um, I, I think if this was either way, whether or not it was intentional, they have to go with this angle of Joe not really being pinned here and underline that and keep him strong. He definitely looks strong after the match because he destroyed Ray after this match. And I think this would be good for the feud going forward. If that's part of this is Joe feels like he was illegitimately stripped of this title. Yeah. And he's mad. So I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm half curious where they go with this. And I'm also still kind of like, I, this is not the feud I, I wanted. But you know, at the same time, I think they could make some, uh, some, some good stuff. They can make some lemonade out of these lemons. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No, it's going to so. be good. I, I want to see Dominic get more involved. This was a little bit of a tease. Joe oh, taunting really? him. Yeah, I kind of do. I kind of do. Really? So I, I think it's, well, it's another Wendy kind of angle. You know, where yeah, Joe's just, messing with somebody's family. Yeah, allegedly. I just at least Wendy was only there once or twice and then went away, and yeah. it was just joking, creepy. Like I, I yeah. Eh. Uh, but neither of us picked this. We both thought Joe was retaining here because just because it made more sense. But you know, plans change or perhaps noses get broken. We don't know. But Rey Mysterio is your new U.S. title holder. Finally, uh, the next the next match we had was Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a steel cage. Unfortunately, it was uh, of course again the chicken wire cage. Right. Or the storm fencing and not old blue. Big blue. <laughs> I miss you, blue. Come back, blue. All is forgiven. How, how did you feel about this? Because there was at the beginning of it, it felt pretty hot. And then we got things like a lazy splash from Miz. And I, I that just was started, not a lazy splash. That was like a minus five star frog that was splash. A, that was, that was the worst. Tamina does a better splash than the one that Miz gave. And I've seen Miz give some good splashes. Yeah. That was not it. <laughs> so was later in the what match, went but, wrong here? Oof. Because I liked Shane just instantly trying to get out of, just weasel his way out of the cage at, at all costs, just go throwing yeah. everything away and just trying to get out of the cage to win the match, not actually facing off with Miz uh, in, in the steel cage match. But there were a few spots where these guys, I mean, I think I even sent you a text or said it in the chat. It looks like Shane is trying to get color because they're taking these, Spots where they're sliding down the cage, trying to get cut or something like that. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know whether I like this match or not. I don't know whether I like these guys continuing to feud, and I want to like it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm having trouble enjoying the continuation of this story. Well, I don't like. I know, I've said this before on the show. I don't like cage matches where one of the characters is is a coward who's trying to escape because yeah. then it doesn't become about 
two guys locked in a cage just had all their differences and there's no escape. It becomes about one guy just wants to escape. Right. And it's the, the steel cage just becomes an obstacle to that escape and not uh, a way of enhancing the, the violence or brutality of the story. Um, you know, even though that's, that's a secondary aspect to it. And we definitely saw the cage being used in brutal ways here. But most of the time it was, you know, the first thing we thought was when's Shane going to try to escape? And that happened over and over. It started off with Shane trying to escape. He had a couple of very near escapes, which were which were nice and, and heart-stopping, and he ended up bringing in a chair on one of them. But Miz got most of the offense here, and he just he beat Shane from pillar to post. He superplexed him off the top of the cage, which was kind of, you know, everyone expected a big spot. That was the big spot. Um, and it was it was it was pretty nice, but overall, I have to say this was a little bit of a letdown just because it didn't feel as much like a blow-off as it should have. Well, largely because it wasn't a blow-off. At the end, Shane was on the top. He starts coming down the outside. Miz grabs his shirt, and Shane slips out of his shirt and falls to the floor and escapes the cage and wins the match after Miz basically dominating him for most of the match. So once again, Shane proves that he is the best in the world, and Ian gets the victory thanks to Shane beating the Miz. Because <sighs> I picked this again. You yeah. want this to be blown off. You want us to be blown off. I, I told you, this ain't going to be blown off yet. This All is going right. to go for a while longer. Shane, oh, Shane well. needs to keep that heel heat, my friend. Well, we'll so. just let, we'll just let Shane keep carrying you through Pickums then. Absolutely. Hey, that's fine with me. Uh, I'm all for for Shane O'Mac helping me out with that. Yeah. Here's the real question. This is one of the more controversial things about this match. Was it uh, at some point? At one point in this match, you had um, you had Miz who had Shane in a submission hold, and Shane reached the ropes, and there was no rope breaks to the submission, and so Shane had to climb up the ropes to get Miz to break the hold. But later, on a three count, Shane was able to put a foot on the ropes and it broke the three count. Yeah, what WTF, guys. So there was a rope break on a pinfall, but not a submission. And a lot of people were confused about that. The fans started chanting bullshit on it. Uh, so this is something that I actually went to research. I'm like, is so what is the actual rule when it comes to that, because even the announcers at the time were calling out like, "You can't that you can't have a rope break in a cage match." Like they were the, the announcers were calling out Michael Cole. By the way, quick second, Nick. Michael Cole was on fire this. Year. I'll call I'll call a spade a spade, and I will give props when props are due. Michael Cole was fantastic on this show. Okay. He had a number of outstanding calls, and I'll get into some more of those later. But this is one I really liked here, where he was just. He was saying, like, what's, what the hell is going on? And they tried to explain it with Corey Graves saying, well, maybe the ref's paid off. He's working for Shane McMahon. Wouldn't you be intimidated if you had to count down your boss? But they didn't really play into that. So it was obviously some sort of miscommunication. But as far as you know, there are no rope breaks for pinfalls in a cage match, right? Or submissions. Well, there's definitely not. There's so, no rope breaks, period, in a steel cage match. It's no DQ. That was what, that was what I thought, too. But what I found was is that there may be a loophole, and that is that there is no dis disqualifications. There's no disqualifications in this match, but there are rope breaks. So if you get to the ropes in a submission maneuver, the whole idea is the ref can count to five, and then you're disqualified if you keep the hold on. Right. There's no DQ. Nothing says you have to break the hold. But in a pinfall situation... If your foot is outside of the ring, your, the body is no longer entirely inside the ring. Therefore, it does not count as a pinfall because pinfalls have to happen inside the ring. Okay. So it's not a, dis, it's not a disqualification. 
because you, the body's outside the ring, which does fall into the, the rule set. So it's kind of a loophole scenario. Um, I personally think that it should be clarified to say that rope breaks don't count. Yeah, I think it was no lame. DQ should mean anything goes. Yeah, and, and there's, you should find another, like just don't have, because Shane got uh, skull-crushing finale onto a chair and then pinned. And so he could, there was no way he was kicking out of that. Um, but I think that they should have just not had that happen. So find another way to do it because that the crowd got hot about that because everyone, I think their, their general understanding is there are no rope breaks, but I, I did look up the actual rules and technically there are rope breaks and pinfalls. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I would, I would have always thought that it was just anything goes. And the only rule is that the first person to put two feet on the ground, whether they go through the door or over the top of the cage wins the match period. End of statement. Hard stop. That's, that's but the I like only rule. There being, I like there being other rules in there because there are just too many iterations of the hardcore match where there are no rules and yeah. no holds barred, right? There's, or there's, cause there's, there used standing, to be, you know? right. There used to be all kinds of different stipulations within those and it just became, now you do whatever you want every time. No, I like when there's a couple of little stipulations and like, you know, if you have that kind of insider knowledge, you can pick and choose. Oh, well, this, well, that rule does technically apply in this kind of match. <laughs> oh, a wrestling nerd. <laughs> Yes, well, in this kind of match, you are allowed to have rope breaks. <laughs> so say the history books. <laughs> Alrighty then. So does it? Did this match go long because of Joe and Ray? With that, because that was cut short. Because this match felt a little long. Or no, was that just? No, Shane I think just Shane matches go long. Period. Shane gets. Shane gets. <laughs> Shane is uh, Triple H. You know, at least a Triple H light. <laughs> he gets. He gets the long matches. But and by that you mean he's the boss's son. Right. 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 Oh, I thought I thought it was possible. It could have just been a steel cage match, and that's just it as well. But it could have also been because Joe and and Ray went short, and they needed to make up the time. Sure, maybe. We don't know, but it, it it did feel a little bit long. I have to say this this match wore on me a little bit, but yeah, you know, not right. not the worst thing ever. Um, what I, you know, I felt bad for the next match, which was the cruiserweight championship. The first time it's been on the main card in you know since ever. I think Survivor Series. No, Survivor Series. I think they had one. Yeah, I think it was Buddy Murphy and Ali. If I remember correctly, but uh, yeah, Arya Davari versus Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, Boy, this sucked the wind out of the room. Woof, woof. I think everyone was ready for you know a cooldown match, and they sacrificed those Cruiserweights to this crowd big time. First of all, it didn't help that Arya Davari is kind of an unknown figure unless you've been watching two, uh, 205 Live religiously. And kind of same with Tony Nese. You may have seen Tony Nese once or twice, but... He is about as exciting a baby face as a cracker made out of cardboard that's been soaked in milk. Ew. Uh, he is, he's, he's not really that charismatic of a heel. And so as a baby face, he's just not really engaging at all. Extremely yeah. talented wrestler. Yeah, totally. I think Kimberly but, Ann in the chat last night called it out. Uh, and I, I kind of have the same sentiment. It was, uh, I'm very excited to see the cruiserweights on the main show. This is not the pairing that I would have used that to bring up. No. Uh, and know. here's the elephant in the room is that halfway through this pay-per-view, it was competing with the game of Thrones series finale, which is the most watched show of all time. I think I saw somewhere that there had 22 like a stat. million or something. Viewers. Oh, that yeah. Single night viewing record on the Sunday. Even the 19, Super Bowl has FOMO 19.3 million. Unreal. Um, so I don't understand why they put this match here when you had matches later in the card that were stronger matches. I mean, obviously this was the time you wanted to kind of give the crowd a chance to suck in some air, but, uh, woof. Yeah. They were dead for this match. 
It's too bad because it was actually a decently worked match. It just wasn't there wasn't really that exciting, partially because of who you had in the match. The story you had built up between them was just kind of bland. Yeah. And where it was on the show. So too bad. Uh, we both called Tony Nese to retain, which he did. Uh, Do you think yeah, it would have been was... different if they had had the Usos and Daniel Bryan and Rowan here I- instead and have the Cruiserweight Championship on the pre-show, kind of like how they normally do? Well, I think that this might have gotten a better reception on the pre-show, and I think that match would have not gotten as good of a reception, but it might have worked better in this slot. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, they wanted to get the Cruiserweight off the, off the, the pre-show. This is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, we, we put the uh, Cruiserweights on the main show, and they're just going to suck the wind out of the crowd. Well, yeah, if you put this match in front of that crowd at this time on the show, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, knowing that they've got the two women's championship matches, Seth and AJ, the men's money in the bank, Kofi and KO. There's all kinds of stuff. This is where people are going to go take a break. Absolutely, especially considering that right after this match, we kicked into the first of the major storylines that was happening, which was Becky Two Belts. And Becky Two Belts had her first match the Raw Championship against Lacey Evans right after this, and uh, so and and frankly, and and they didn't hold up. We didn't know this at the time, but not only did Becky have to face Lacey, but as soon as her match with Lacey was done, Charlotte came out and was like, "Let's go right now," and challenged her right after. So Becky had to run the gauntlet one after the other, Lacey and then Charlotte. But we didn't know that when we were watching the Lacey match. Uh, what did you think about Lacey's first big? main event, main roster match. I think she's fine. I think I've been high on her since NXT over more than a year ago. Um, not only because once Vince sees her, she's going straight to the moon. I, I think Although she's... Although we were completely right about that, we by the were, way. We knew once, once we Vince were, saw her, We were, but I want to give her some credit, too, uh, in the sense that she's a big, tall, athletic, ex-Marine veteran, uh, beautiful woman uh, that has all the physicality necessary to hold her own and she has showcased that through and through. And she she went with Becky Lynch toe-to-toe here. I, I want to give yeah. her that credit. Um, I, I did, mean, was I there ever any be... chance that she was going to win this? Absolutely not. Especially with the <laughs> events that transpired earlier in the night. So We both definitely did call Becky to retain in this match. And I yeah. think that was the right choice. But I'll agree with you. I think that Lacey could be a top woman in any promotion. It's not just because she's Vince's, quote, type, which she definitely is. But she does have a lot of the the stuff necessary. Yeah. She has a lot of the aspect necessary to be successful in any promotion. You know, the, whether it's the look, the poise, the the talking, the mic skills, or the athleticism. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, still a little bit green, but that's you know that's the nature of the beast. That 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 just goes away with time. Sure. But I think she's got all of the potential in the world, and this match showed that. She I, I thought she looked very good in there with Becky. We, we didn't even get to um, see her any of her real moves. I mean, she's, she's stuff, got a full no. moonsault. She's got all kinds of good stuff, guys, that you just haven't seen yet. If you haven't watched her in NXT, uh, just hold on. There's there's more there to, than, than what they've shown us so far. Yeah, and Becky did kind of beat her pillar to post in, for most of this match. Lacey had a little comeback at the end. Um, and the, the one big downside of this match was the finish looked a little bit clunky um, where it looked like Lacey was, was pinning Becky and the ref, for some reason, didn't count it because he, I mean, her shoulders looked down to me, but he didn't think so. And then um, Becky transitioned out of it into a disarmor and tapped her out. But it was it was clunky. It was really clunky, and it kind of came out of nowhere. So that was that was the one kind of bummer about this match was the the finish was a little bit meh. 
But uh, and especially considering that we just saw the ref supposedly screw up in the Ray and Joe or in the Ray and Joe match. So the ref supposedly screw up in the Shane and Miz match. So the crowd is already, you know, kind of on the ref's asses at yeah. this point. So it was one more where we we're kind of like, what's the ref doing? So they were the they were the big heels this evening. Mm. Was the refs? Um, but uh, we both picked Lacey to win, and as we said, Becky. as soon as she was just uh, Becky to win, thank you. Uh, we did not pick Lacey. We picked Lacey to lose, <laughs> but we were split on the next match. Charlotte came out immediately after, as we said, marched down to the ring. Becky was a little bit haggard and said, "Screw it, come on, let's go, let's do this right now." And she and Charlotte, as good as her match with Lacey was, and it was fine. Once again, we saw that Charlotte and Becky always deliver on a match. Because once again, they just got in there and beat the absolute hell out of each other. Now let's keep, let's keep something in oh. perspective, how long these two have been working together. And they show, even showed us sure. a video package last week about just how long these two have been working together. And it shows when you have ex matches like this, right? It, yep. they, they work stiff. They hit each other hard. They are snug with one another. This is all just, this is Becky and Charlotte. And this is exactly what we want the, to see these two do and why they always put on baller matches like this. Was it the 27,000th time? Are we going to have Charlotte Flair, the 35-time uh, champion? Probably. But, I mean, it's never, it's never going to get old to see these two working together, in my opinion. No, and I, I think, I, I forget if it was Triple H or Shawn Michaels or someone like that who said it. It was that you hit your friends the hardest yep. in the ring. And you see that with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And you're seeing that here with, Charlotte and Becky, where they're they're such good friends, they know each other so well that you can just lay into each other because you know when you get to the back, you'll still hug it out, even if you're covered in bruises and, and potatoes and bumps. Right. You know, uh, so you took a bunch of potatoes, you got a bunch of bumps. So, yeah, it, this this was I thought very energetic, very entertaining. The end uh, was uh, unfortunate for me because eat, Becky eat some crow, Mister In Dangerous. Becky, <laughs> Becky, uh, yeah, second time I'm eating some crow on this show. Becky went outside the ring, took a woman's right to the face, or she was actually laying in the corner, I think, took a woman's right to the face from Lacey Evans, who was still hovering around, and then Charlotte went to pin her, but Becky rolled her up and got a 2.99999 second, almost got Charlotte right there, uh, but Charlotte got out of it, big boot, Becky goes down, one, two, three, Charlotte is your new SmackDown Women's Champion, god damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Becky is no longer Becky Two Belts. She's back to just being the Raw but Women's I, but Champion. But I wasn't done being a soothsayer quite yet, was no, I? No. No, you were not. You, you, you're, you and uh, uh, one of our listeners, uh, boy, both you guys, man, you called this pretty much down the line because, as we mentioned earlier, we had a new women's uh, money in the bank holder. Miss, miss money in the bank, if you will. Um, and, uh, little old Bailey, bam, her music hits as Charlotte and, uh, Charlotte and Lacey continue to beat up Becky after the match. And the audience was chanting. The audience was chanting for Bailey at this point. Like, Oh my God, come on, bring her out. We didn't think she was going to, I didn't think she was going to. And then by God, Bailey's music hits and that crowd loses its mind. And Jeff will, our listener, Jeff will lost his mind because he'd called this as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, out came Bailey. She came down, uh, threw Charlotte in the ring post, stared at her for a second and cashed in her money in the bank briefcase, dropped an elbow. One, two, three. Bailey 
is now your new SmackDown Women's Champion. Woo! And that crowd lost its damn mind. You know, Nick, we talk about how quickly someone can be redeemed if they, if they do the right thing, if they book them the right way. You can have someone who's on the down and out for years. You give them one or two badass moments, Bailey climbing to the top of the ladder, staring down Mandy Rose, knocking her ass out, taking that briefcase, and then coming down, throwing Charlotte in the ring post, big elbow, one, two, three, she's the champ. That crowd was as hot as it was at any point in the evening. She goes out into the crowd celebrating. There was a big, oh, yeah. somebody had a big Bailey poster or something like Bailey in the bank, I think it said on it. Uh, mm-hmm. She goes out and poses with him and is taking pictures. Just that is how you get over with the WWE universe is celebrate sure. with them, uh, make them feel like they're a part of it. A part of it. Absolutely. This, is, this was a fantastic person. move by, by Bailey and, and fr- frankly, the, the team in the back. You've got to give them credit. They really pulled the trigger on this i i honestly it was all speculation and you know optimistic kind of thinking on my part to think it was real i honestly didn't think they would really pull the trigger tonight but i well it, it made had, too much sense not to because there uh, wasn't really other than her winning it there wasn't a lot else going on during this show you know well it would it would have definitely not as been as exciting if charlotte had just won dirty over yeah. Becky and taking the belt, and then that was that, and then Bailey was just sitting in the wings for a while. This was definitely the more exciting, even though it was the same kind of thing that happened last year with Alexa Bliss, this was still, I think, the most exciting option. And we did have some people complaining that it was too predictable, but my argument to that is just because it's predictable doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Yeah. If well, it, if come it gets along you, for the ride, guys. Yeah, if, if, this, if it pops the crowd, if it gives people that, those warm, happy feelings, Kofi winning at WrestleMania was predictable. Daniel Bryan you know, running the gauntlet at WrestleMania 30 was predictable, but it was still awesome. You know what I mean? Yep. Back in the day, Hulk Hogan beating Andre the Giant, the way they built it, come wildly predictable. But it was awesome because you had the payoff. Like, yeah, if you watch enough stories, you're going to be able to predict stuff. And not everything's going to be like an Emmanite Shamalama Ding Dong movie <laughs> where you have to have a twist to really enjoy it. Like, man, sometimes just predictable things are sometimes the ones that you just you feel good about. Yep. So this was definitely a, a really nice moment. Uh, a little bit of redemption for Bailey. Do you think this was because there was rumors that uh, WWE promised this to Sasha? Like, if you stick with us, if you if you you know come out and do this, we will give you the the this whole this, basically this this thing. You'll win the briefcase and then right. go out and cash in and become champ. And Sasha turned it down. That's that is the the heavily rumored situation and they just gave it to Bailey as a way of saying, well, we'll just give it to your buddy. Do you think that you, do you think that that speculation is accurate or is that just speculation? It's probably just speculation. I, I, I don't want to believe that they're that dirty, but I mean, there's, you know, a little thumb in the eye, so to speak, uh, to, to Sasha. Sure. Maybe, um, I, the more realistic one that I would think is that not that it was promised to Sasha and Bailey got the sloppy seconds because Sasha didn't want it. I think it was more of a, and it was even said in the commentary that, well, because Sasha has been moved to Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. They did give some explanation of where Sasha was finally. Okay. They said, Bailey, we, they, they said that the company split up the tag team. Sasha went to Raw. Bailey went to SmackDown. That was interesting. But I, but so I think this was a little bit Sasha of a off. kind of a virtual thumb in the eye, so to speak, or a, you know, whatever at, uh, at Sasha. Sure. Perhaps a tweak. But the fact they're still mentioning Sasha as active and giving explanations for, their, for what's going on with them. I thought says something about Sasha's status. So that was something that was interesting to note. Um, something a little bit less interesting was what happened next. Right as we were about to start Game of Thrones, we had Roman Reigns coming to the ring 
And as he's walking down the halls in the back, who should come sneaking up behind him but good old Elias cracks him across the back with a guitar and leaves him laying in the back, comes out, grabs an electric guitar, and sits in the ring and does his whole Elias thing, insulting the crowd, etc., etc. As he gets up to leave, he goes back up the, the ring ramp, poses, and who should come out to beat him up at Roman Reigns? Runs him down to the ring. Ooh, spear, one, two, three, squash on Elias. Uh, what did you think about this whole sequence of events, Nick? I know that you were, you were at the time were not the biggest fan of what they're doing with Roman Reigns again. What did you think about all this? No, it was exactly the uh, exactly what I was upset about before. And, and frankly, I want to call out Elias for for not treating that beautiful classic Stratocaster very well. It got thrown down onto the ground. Uh, that is not how you treat a Strat, my friend. Uh, you need to do better. But this no, is like Michael Cole, right? This, no, sorry, Corey Graves. <laughs> Go ahead. This is. This is the epitome of squeezing Roman in before half the viewership leaves to go watch the series finale of Game of Thrones. This is would it how, have been better. Would it this have been is better how they got it had done. a full match, though. Is it? Is it? Was it better that of they just had like would a have quick been little, better. little? Really, you don't think like a little entertaining Elias segment and then a quick squash? Ha ha! That was fun. Okay, moving on. That was better than the alternative. No, because on the later. <laughs> meanwhile, behind the scenes, what we had was a <laughs> WWE.com exclusive. Of Roman Reigns going, well, you know, Elias, he had this one chance to get in the ring with, you know, a real champion, a, a real superstar, and, you know, it would have shined a lot of light on him, but no, he had to do it. This had end to do about, it dirty. Oh, come on. Just, uh, I, I'm, I'm over uh, it. See, I, didn't, I actually did not see that, so that does add a, a different twist to this, but I, here's, here's my perspective on it. Like, yes, they snuck it in before Game of Thrones. But they also just put Roman in the middle of the card with a squash match. Um, and the whole show was not built around him. It was actually overall a pretty quick segment, about 10 minutes total. So there is an aspect of that that I'm like, okay, I don't mind him being, you know, again, we can talk about the WWE metaphorically being kind of like a circus where you have like the elephants, and you have the trapeze artists, right? And I don't mind them being the clown car in the middle of the show. Like if Roman's there, like... I know they're still pushing him to the moon. I know they're still doing a lot of segments on him on, on the weekly shows. Uh, considering the rest of this pay-per-view, this was not the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But we did both pick Roman to win because, duh. Because Roman. <laughs> because, duh. Uh, and you are still, at this point, beating me in the pickums. And this is when I started to sweat really hard. <laughs> I started to sweat really hard at this point. Well, this is why uh, half the viewership left and went to watch the Game of Thrones finale, but it's interesting that they put this next match here because I think it might have kept some people around. I know it did I think me. that was the point. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, do, I agree. The they had to get Roman in before everybody bailed, and for those that stuck around or as an incentive to stick around, let's have the Universal Championship match with arguably one of the most anticipated matchups in a long time. I think we've well, another, all wanted to see AJ and Seth really go at each other. And, and I think if they, from what I, I saw, a smattering of what I think we're in store for uh, between these two over the course of the next few months, this is going to be a, they're going to put on several match of the year contenders, these two, if they let them go. I wonder if this will continue because this was so... The thing about this that I thought was interesting was some people were hesitant to get excited about this because AJ has had a number of, quote, dream matches uh, come up over the last year, and they've fallen a little bit flat. 
Uh, he he ended up having a, a good match or two with Shinsuke Nakamura, but overall, I'd say their program was kind of went over like a, a hit to the balls. Uh, and uh, I think and I think the uh, Samoa Joe program as well was a little bit rocky, even though it had some good moments. Overall, it was a little rocky. Uh, so this was a program that people were looking at and saying, well. You know, is AJ coasting? Is he just not what he once was? Is he still is he still able to go out there and put on a banger of a match? And the answer is absolutely goddamn yes. This match was fantastic, and from a technical standpoint, it was the best match on the show. Yeah. I think hands down, easily. And and yet, it was maybe a third of what these or less of what these guys could do if you really let the leash off of them. So for from a from a WWE standpoint. They let him go pretty hard. There was a poisoned superplex at one point that I jumped out of my seat for. Uh, there was a couple of really big moves that were just absolutely outstanding. And some great sequences. From a technical standpoint, this was great. But it definitely was not as out there as these two guys can go. They yeah. definitely left some in the tank in case this continues. And frankly, after this match, I think there's a lot of people who would like to see this continue. Uh, me? Um, me? Even though, like at some point, you would imagine they would have to turn AJ heel, and he stayed a face even until the end when when Seth beat him clean. You know, they they uh, had Seth kick out of the uh, Styles Clash, but um, he and he almost ate a phenomenal forearm. They kept that protected though. He he uh, Seth countered that forearm into a Revolution knee, and then super kicked him and got the stomp for the one two three. There was a couple of beautiful reversals, by the way. That the Styles Clash that he ate was a reversal. Um, I don't know how he got even got that reversal, but uh, yeah, I don't yeah, remember it either. Like a, it was like Rollins. Rollins went for a stomp, and Styles somehow reversed that. He caught like caught the foot and turned it into a Styles Clash. It was nuts. Wow. So just tons of great reversals. But he, you know, AJ ate the pin one, two, three, and after the match came back in. To shake Seth's hand, Seth Sasha Banks. Seth hesitates, um, and AJ just kind of looks at him and goes, "Do you know how hard this is for me?" And Seth finally shakes his hand, and they go their separate ways. And Love Seth it. poses. Great sportsmanship, and they didn't even hint at at AJ turning heel or if this might even continue. So we don't know. We don't know if this feud is going to continue or if they have some other plans for Seth going forward, which they might, given how this whole thing ended. <laughs> Well, but, the only time uh, we've ever seen AJ in a role like that was the whole beat up John Cena thing with the Good Brothers, where we all and then thought, he was a legit, yeah he was a legit heel though. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. So I and here he was I, I want to see that again, honestly. I, I I maybe not now, but a year from now, I want I want to. We never got the full delivery of that. We never got the viciousness to its to a ten or eleven. I, I want to see that out of AJ Styles. Yeah. I think this would be actually we get some better stuff out of these guys if we did have a true heel face dynamic, but I don't care. I'll watch. I'd love to. I, after this match, I'd love to see them wrestle again. Yeah, uh, we did both pick Seth to retain here. It just made more sense. But it's not even great. been two months since Mania, so I mean, yeah, he's no, not losing it yet. No, after after all the build and he had to go over Brock Lesnar, there's no way they're taking off of him yet. Well, so good, good I don't stuff. Know. <laughs> however, however, I cannot say that it was good stuff with what happened next. Out came Lucha House Party. You what? know those what? guys we weren't we weren't even advertised on the show. Hi, we're Lucha House Party, and boy, we love to party. We are even going to give Lindsay Dorado some things to say, and the crowd was like, "Why are you here?" And everyone sitting in our watch group, we all knew exactly why they were there. 
They were there to get killed by Lars Sullivan. Hey. Uh, so Lars comes out and basically just absorbs a bunch of offense from Lucha House Party. Um, gets his head busted open by taking a plancha, I think. Which I think was the only good thing about this whole segment was Lars looks really great with color. Yeah. <laughs> he looks really even good looks like Kratos from God of War. You know, yeah, that, that was the running even, gag. Even crazier with blood streaming from his forehead. But yeah, he quickly demolished Lucha House Party. Same thing, running power slam, roar, walk away, look angry. Um, not the crowd hated it. So the crowd hated it. We all hated it. Was it a good uh, look to send a guy embroiled in a uh, scandal around racism and you know saying bad things on the internet and white nationalism and all that stuff to uh, basically beat down some Hispanic guys? Some Hispanic guys in probably one of the most blatantly like over-the-top cartoonishly Hispanic gimmicks ever. They come out with a freaking pinata. Right. All right. And, and screaming, <laughs> lucha, lucha. Like... It's it's already towing the line between being too much with the with the lucha house party gimmick. Like it it still it already makes me cringe a little bit. But then you send a guy out there who's embroiled in a racism scandal to go out and wipe the floor with three Mexican guys. Yeah, that's a little bit. I mean, I don't know if they're intentionally trying to go for that heat. I would not be surprised at all if that was intentional. But if if so, ew, guys. Ew. I mean, they're, they're steering into it, and then there's like tact and knowing when to <laughs> when the hell yeah. to avoid something. And I mean, just, at least come on. At least Lars isn't come to, coming out dressed like an ICE guy, yeah. an ICE, you know, <laughs> oh, no. or like wearing a MAGA hat and build the wall. Like, at least he's not coming out like they're not, it's not going that on the nose yet. They saw how that went over with Dominic Dijakovic in Dijak. NXT. Thank you. Uh, in NXT, they saw how that went over there. It went over like a fart in church. Uh, so, yeah, th- th- I, I think they want to like tweak on that. But even that, like no one likes it. It's, it's 2019, guys. Don't tweak us on that stuff. Yeah. No one likes it. It yeah. just makes everyone go, Ugh. wrong kind of heat, wrong kind of heat. Um, that being said, the one thing I will say about this is it did provide a needed break between Seth and AJ and the next match, which was Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. And I felt awful for this match because we always say WWE championship should go on last or at least last before the featured event, the main event, right? Well, here it was in that position and that crowd was kind of dead for it. Yeah. I don't know if they were burned out from Seth and AJ, which got them hyped. I don't know if they were still pissed off at the Lars Sullivan segment. I don't know if it was just everyone was watching Game of Thrones on their phones while this was going on. But they were definitely, it took them a while to get into Kofi and Kevin Owens. And it's too bad because it was a really good match. Yeah, it was. Yes, it, was it was really good. And it just kept getting better and better. I mean, they, they got the crowd back into it by the end. Thank God. I just hope no one in the back was looking at this going, oh, they're not into Kofi. Because they were. They were definitely like, you could feel the crowd cared. It's just they were, I don't know, tired or distracted or whatever it was. Yeah. So that's that's why I think they were dead. I mean, I don't really have much to say about this match other than it delivered. You know, it I, did. It's, it was, it did what it said on the 10, I guess. Yeah. Well, and what here's how it delivered. Here's how it delivered for me is that it made Kevin Owens look brutal. It made him look like a legit heel. He even at the end of this match, like he beat Kofi up so bad, Kofi's shoes fell off, and Co- and Kevin ripped off the other one and threw it at the announce table. Which, by the way, if y'all don't know, Kofi actually does a, a bit on Up Up Down Down, all about his kicks, all about his shoes. 
So the man is very protective of his shoes. Yeah. So in, so if y'all know in kayfabe or out, you don't mess with Kofi's kicks. Yeah. I just asked Zach Gibson. Just <laughs> Jesus. Terrible. Uh, you don't mess with Kofi's kicks. And Kevin found that out because as soon as he ripped off those shoes, he ate a trouble in paradise. Down he goes. One, two, three. Kofi wins completely clean. Looked vicious and like a champ a couple times in this match. Kofi needed a statement win to show that he was a champ who could win against a, a real threat. And I think Kevin felt more like a threat than Daniel Bryan did. And you know how Absolutely. I know that, Nick? You know how I know that? Because I picked Kevin Cause, Owens? Because you picked Kevin Owens. You but you might, might need to redo happen. your math because you wrote both on our note here. So we might not actually finish the way that you think no, we I, did. I, 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 well, then I get a point. I, well, that's true. Let me, let me, I'll have to do the math again here real quick. All right. I'll do it real quick while you talk about this match, but uh, the next match. But uh, yeah, no, this is the thing is that, that Kofi needed this. Kofi needed a statement win over a legitimate opponent to look like he and without his New Day guys at the side of the ring, we were thinking that Big E might come out and interfere and turn heel. We thought like all kinds of things might happen. No, this was a straight up match, and Kofi won, and that just cements. Now we can truly say, Kofi got a reign, yeah, with the championship. Absolutely, this definitely absolutely legitimizes him. It shows they support him in the back. So this was this was great. I actually I loved this. I loved this match. I loved the choices here. Uh, I thought this was great, and I just the only thing I'm bummed about is that crowd didn't get into it until like the last third. Yeah. Well, it didn't really get crazy exciting until you know halfway through it. Uh, but what I'll say is that behind the um, behind the veneer of this whole hope angle of getting Kofi to Mania and having an opportunity at the championship, uh, and regardless of the fact of you know he he did actually win it, right? I think there was something in all of us that thought, nah, he's probably not going to hang on to it that long. Even the Raw after Mania, we came out and we were like. Eh, he seems a little weak. He's just the third member of the New Day. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he started having these moments week to week as we build. And then the Kevin Owens turn happened after becoming an honorary member of the New Day. And we were like, oh, we've got a legitimate beef here. And the build for this has been really good. They've slow played it to an extent. They allowed Kevin to come in. He turned on him. It's been building and building and building. And I think that was that was what made this matter. And it's what... it. It is what made Kofi made this a statement win for Kofi. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have just been another match. Well, we call together. out when WWE does storylines that are not well done or not well told, and we don't really like them. This is one I'm happy to say I like what they're doing with all of this. Me too. I think I think they're doing a great job with Kofi, with Kevin, with this whole thing. So uh, yep. I'll call I'll call it when it's good. This is good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, as we round out the show, we have the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. For so as we go briefcase. into this, Nick, yes, as we go into this, I, I want to just I want to say something here real quick. Okay. I went back, I just did the math, and I I was correct. I wrote both accidentally, but yes, no, the math is correct. At this point, thanks to Kofi Kingston, I came back from being down, and we are now tied. We are now tied Whew. going into Money in the Bank. The men's Money in the Bank match, which was Ricochet, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Mustafa Ali, Mustafa Ali, I mean Ali, Andrade Cien Almas, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Andrade, and Randy Orton. Uh, you mean Randall, Randall Kennedy Orton. Randall Kennedy Kenneth Knickerbocker Schmidt Orton. And uh, <laughs> yes, so that, going into this, you had picked Andrade to win. Correct. And uh, they were even calling him the dark horse when he was coming to the ring. So I had picked Sami Zayn. 
because I'm a freaking idiot. And I worked myself a couple times on this show. I thought Nikki was winning the women's. Oh, it was it, it, terrible picks for me this, this weekend. But, but why was Sammy Zane a silly that, pick? I know. Well, because by this point in the show, Sammy had been murdered in the back. I'd say sacrificed would probably be a better. He was hung up down on display. So let's talk about that before we get into this match, because there was an ongoing thing throughout the pay-per-view where earlier in the show, Triple H is on a cell phone. Sami Zayn comes in to bother him, annoy him, and get him off the phone and says, I need protection. Braun Strowman's going to kill me for what I did to him on Monday when I took his money in the bank spot. Triple H says, he's been banned from the building. You'll be fine. And Sami says, oh, like no one's ever come in when they're banned. And sure enough, we see Braun Strowman stalking the halls moments later. So we know he's there. Next thing we know, they find Sami Zayn strung up like a sacrifice in the back hallways of the of the amphitheater, the the uh, auditorium, stadium, whatever. And uh, he's strung up, and they cut him down. He's dead. Uh, bye, Sammy. And, <laughs> and bye. So you know you're no longer money in the bank. Triple H ends up finding Braun Strowman and saying, "Look, I understand why you did it. I don't like that you did it." Uh, so as your boss, I'm not going to ban you from the building. I'm not going to have you arrested. I'm just going to ask you nicely to be professional and leave. And Braun says, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to Sammy, which is an interesting twist. But then he also said, whatever, man, and left. So we were left thinking, well, is Braun going to, is he still hanging around? Is he going to come out? Is Sammy okay? Is he going to come out? There's a open slot now in the men's Money in the Bank match. Who will it be? Was it Braun that beat up Sammy, or was it someone else, someone who has a predilection for doing things a little bit on the, the spooky side, the creepy side, someone who might sacrifice somebody in such a way? Uh, mercy the Buzzard. My, uh, mercy the Buzzard. Ramblin' Rabbit. Someone like, oh, I don't know, Bray Wyatt, who's been teasing coming back. So a lot of us, in the, uh, at least over in our group, we're starting to think, well, maybe this is going to be how they introduce Bray Wyatt is we have this eight slot in Money in the Bank just open and we'll have a surprise entrant at the end. Well, we didn't find out who it was until the very end of the Money in the Bank match. So let's go talk about that. Yes. Um, this was a fantastic match, as we thought it was going to be. It was a freaking spot fest. You had big guys destroying little guys and little guys destroying themselves. Basically, in this match, um, you saw Randy put like four guys through the announce tables. Uh, even Baron Corbin got in; like he had a huge choke slam on Ali at one point. Yeah, that was awesome. I think about, it was like the greatest move Baron Corbin has ever done. That choke slam was through the seat. Like Kane and Undertaker were in the back, standing up and applauding when they saw that choke slam. <laughs> it was amazing. He was up over his head. Now that could oh be attributed to just how Ali. agile and little Ali is, right? I don't care. That's that's both of them. That that's was that was beautiful. It, it looked amazing. No table also, clearing, monitors all over the table, no, all kinds, oh, just straight through it. Just and he destroyed that table. There was a bunch of just. If we wanted to list all the great spots in this, we'd be here all night. There was a ton of them. The the couple of the big ones though, you had Andrade and Finn on the top of the ladder. Andrade gives a sunset flip. To Finn comes over the top and power bombs Finn onto a ladder that's propped horizontally across the ropes. Finn bounces like five feet up off that ladder and comes back down in a heap. I think his second landing was worse than the first. The more impressive was, part of that though was Andrade going spread spread legs and landing on his feet 
yeah. doing a sunset flip off the top of the ladder, jumping over Finn, and he landed on his feet. I, you could not have executed this more perfectly. Yeah. I was. You know what I was shocked by is we didn't see more stuff like that out of Ricochet. I would say Ricochet was actually the surprisingly the quietest guy yeah. in terms of spots in this whole match. You had McIntyre giving like six-foot-high claymores on the outside of the ring to Baron Corbin once Corbin and McIntyre turned on each other, which we knew they were going to. Um, Corbin gave Ricochet like a, a deep six on the outside that looked destruct, like just horrifying as well. Um, you had, uh, I'm trying to think about some of the other big big spots were that were insane. Um, None of them matter. It's, let's just talk about oh, it. Oh, McIntyre getting RKO'd off the top of the ladder was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, so there was, uh, so at the, all, so here's where, here, here we, here we go. It was a great match. Lots of big spots. We knew it was going to be like that. We were all very excited at the very end of the whole thing. Randy Orton's climbing the, 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 uh, the ladder. It looks like he's going to win when out of nowhere, Ali jumps onto his back from the top of the ropes and pulls him out over the top rope. Ali is alone in the ring. It's Ali's to get, he starts climbing up. He's got his hands on that briefcase, and everyone's like, "What? holy crap, Ali is going to win this thing. And all of a sudden, whose music should hit? Not Bray Wyatt's. Brock Lesnar. Wow. Uh, wow. So This is the part of the quick. podcast where we turn. Uh, yes, here we go. Ali freezes. Brock comes down, dumps him off the ladder, sets the ladder back up, climbs to the top, grabs the briefcase, brief, briefcase Sasha Banks, and Brock Lesnar is your Money in the Bank winner. And we go home with Brock on the top of the ladder laughing and telling everyone from the audience, that's right, I'm back. That is how things end. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, not the up-and-coming, the new talent in the WWE. Is your the guy who who would never have gotten a title shot if he had just come back on his own in storyline? Is your right money in the bank champ? Nick, would you like to take the first uh, the first go at the opinion on this? <clears throat> uh, let me crack my knuckles here and get ready. Do a little stretch. <sighs> so dramatic. What the <laughs> hell? So I think you just you said something very important right there, and I want to highlight that and throw a big old exclamation point on it. The guy, the last guy in the world, much like you made the argument for Braun Strowman last year, even more so, ten yeah. orders of magnitude more so, someone that does not need this briefcase to gain prominence or have a storyline for a title match, much less a title match, is Brock Lesnar. But that's yeah. the one person. The one person you put it on or you grant this opportunity to is Brock Lesnar. Now, I, I want to back out a second and just kind of say something as a neutral. The idea of, I've always liked the idea of managers and dirtbag heels running around with the Money in the Bank briefcase because you never know when they're going to show up. That's kind of the whole point is the surprise effect of it. And when Brock's music hits, it's everybody goes nuts. Sure. For whatever reason, right? It's very polarizing, but everybody loses their shit, me included. So when I heard his music hit last night, I didn't think he was actually going to get it. Right. I thought he was there to distract, disrupt, be a beast, but somehow, some way, 
an, an Andrade or an Ali or somebody or a Ricochet would sneak in, steal the briefcase while he was busy beating the shit out of, I don't know, Baron Corbin, right? No, so, or someone, it's like, a, yeah, Finn Balor or something. So the fact that he basically did nothing, he didn't even F5 anybody. He literally just knocked Ali out, set a ladder up, climbed to the top and got the briefcase and sat up there and laughed at us. That was the big, excuse me, please <laughs> I like cover how your- he looked. He looked really uncomfortable on top of that ladder, by the way. Excuse me, please cover your children's ears. That was the biggest fuck you to the WWE universe I think I've ever seen. That's saying something. And <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it's screw job levels of F you. But it's, that was just, I do what I want. What, a, what screw about you guys? An Hang on what just a second. What about an F you? Hang okay. on just a second. It is the one thing that for the last two years... The entire WWE universe has been pissed off and upset about. It is the one thing that we wanted back in January when the whole McMahon troop came out and said, you guys are the authority now. It's the one thing that we all wanted to go away, and it finally went away, and everybody was fine, and we got all of our face wins. Not even 60 days, not even two months have gone past. We are right back here with Brock Lesnar, Number one in line, probably, to get this champion. Now, what will be a little bit redeeming is if he cashes in and doesn't make it or doesn't successfully do so, but we all know that's not going to happen. Uh, it looks, my guess is he's going to go after Kofi to set up, you know, again, Roman Reigns. Beating him at SummerSlam and taking the WWE title. So I thought it was going to be Kevin Owens. That's yeah. why I picked Kevin Owens. Now it kind of makes more sense. So, blew you up. Blew up your picks. Blew up your picks and- yeah, it did, and it just more cements the fact that we are right and that Roman Reigns is going to carry that title, likely win it at SummerSlam and carry it on to Fox. Yeah, I think that's two steps down the road. I think in the, in the short term, I want to look at this from a storytelling standpoint and the stories that they're telling us in WWE. Not only So not only just you know people that we think are worthy of being at the top of the card and who should be pushed and who shouldn't be because that's all speculative and that's all personal, et cetera. You know, the, the guys who are in this match, like, do I think they should give this opportunity to Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, or Andrade, or Ali? Yes. Hell you know, yes. Finn, Balor, Finn Balor's the champ. Uh, Baron Corbin has already done it, and Randy Orton's already done it. But all those other guys could have done incredible things and had great stories with that briefcase. But that's beside the point. The point is, as you say, we've seen Brock at the top of the card for the last year. We've had him be the absentee champ and had that story told. We're, we're sick of that story. Like, this is something that no one really wants to see. And you could tell that from the crowd reaction, people immediately getting up and leaving in the arena. Um, and right now, WWE is going through a crisis of, of ratings drops. Uh, you know, some of the all-time worst ratings they've ever had. They're they're lose, they're hemorrhaging viewers, and this would be the time to try something new, to try and generate interest, to try and goose people to into watching again, to to try someone new. But instead, they decided to go back to something they've been doing for the last couple of years. Uh, and it seems like it will go back to, at some point, possibly Roman and, and Brock again. Yep. Uh, we already know we're seeing Seth and Brock in Saudi Arabia, which makes it make even less sense. Because he's Brock already getting is, a title shot. He's already getting a title shot in Saudi Arabia. Why is, he, why is he holding the briefcase then? It makes even less sense. It's, it's absolutely it's bizarre 
And apparently this was a choice that was made, shockingly, right before this match happened. I think you know Vince probably knew about it, but he didn't tell anybody until right before this match went out. Like, Ali was supposed to win. Really? Um, uh, supposedly. That's what I'm huh. wrestling observer. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, sure. But so that being said, the, the real issue, I think that, you know, people who are watching this again, you know, everyone, we all, we all think we know everything. We don't, we don't know what the backstage politics are. We don't know what the, the thoughts are. We don't know how much they actually, you know, if they have any kind of spreadsheets that tell them what metrics you know, they don't know I don't, uh, to steal a line from Wade Keller. I don't know how granular their metrics are uh, <laughs> as far as figuring out like, how does, how much does Brock push views? You know what I mean? But that being said is whatever numbers they have, now is the time to experiment. You're about to be facing off with another company that has a ton of money and just announced they have a TV contract. Now is the time to start girding your loins and, and showing us new stuff and making your fans happy. Not giving them a middle finger and trying to troll them. Because that's absolutely what this feels like is a troll move. Um, it's, it's, it has not had a good reaction from the fan base. So if you thought it was going to get a good reaction or if you're looking for some heat on this one, it's not the kind of heat you want because it's go away heat. It's we're sick of this heat. And two, it's not, it's definitely not the story anyone wants to see because we've seen it. We're bored of it. So it's driving away people for two reasons. It's, it's the people going F you because, because WWE saying F you to them. Well, they're saying F you to WWE and some people who are just like, all right, well, I get why you did it, but it's boring. I'm done. So it's, it's a, it's a, it seems to be standing on the outside, a silly decision for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I think Triple H might be the most frustrated person in the back at this point. He there has are rumors to be. That there's, there's rumors that he's just beside himself. It was interesting that he was the authority figure in the back for most of this show. That was an interesting, uh, interesting twist. So I, but um, uh, but yeah, I just man, don't know so, what else to do at this point, man. It's well, let's you know, let's wrap this up. Let's give our final thoughts here. Uh, for one thing, thanks to Kofi Kingston, I did come back to tie you. We tied on our pickums this week, so there is no definitive winner. But my undefeated streak continues. You still have not beaten me, Mister Howell, since last year WrestleMania. Well, you don't get to it, add any swag to the uh, or any flair to no. the uh, Naya Shrine either. No. No, no Naya Shrine this time, but I, I promise our listeners I'll do better next time. I'm sorry, guys. Onwards no, to Backlash. But no Jackson Riker for me either. <laughs> or, or wait, Stomping Grounds. We, I don't know yeah. what it is anymore. Uh, Super Showdown, I think, is next in Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, June 7th. The, the, inter, the international pay-per-view. They can't even say it's in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. This, they have to say it's the international. This card is as big as if not better than WrestleMania itself. What? There's a 50-man Royal Rumble. There's never been a bigger one. Oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of NXT guys going to be there for that. Um, but, and no women, by the way. Uh, so where do we think that they're all going with this now? I guess is, I guess is my next thing. So Brock is, they're calling him. I, 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 I kid you not. You'd think it would be a home run to call him the beast in the bank. They're calling it the money in the beast. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Like, so there were people referring to, uh, you know, stuff in the Bailey or what is it? Bank in the Bailey or something like that. And I yeah, think I said in the, the in the, in the chat, uh, let's not talk about anything to do with it, putting anything in Bailey. And I want to yes. say the same thing about Brock Lesnar. Let's, let's not talk about anything inside of Brock Lesnar, please. Don't, don't put money in the beast. He's no. already got enough. No. He has enough. Damn yeah. it. He yeah. doesn't yeah. need any more. <laughs> Uh, he probably made ten million dollars last night for some godly yeah. reason. Yeah, he, well, he's not he's not fighting Cormier, so he's got to get his paychecks from somewhere. Right. Um, Stop so, taking juice. Uh, 
so here's here's another question I have is, I mean, I, I think a lot of people thought McIntyre was going to get this because he was he was a guy who didn't need the briefcase. You could see him being put in a main event feud pretty quickly, but you would think that he'd be the next major heel to get. If a major heel was going to get it, yeah, he'd be the one. Would he have been a better option than Brock? No. Oh, would he have been better than Brock? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Would have, any, oh, okay. any, I, I would have rather had scared? Hornswoggle come out and get that briefcase <laughs> than Brock Lesnar. Oh, okay. Wow. I'd rather I would have rather had Santino Morello come out and you know grab that. I, I know, <sighs> yes, Ellsworth. You know my love for Ellsworth. All right. Really? Yeah, I love Ellsworth. Even, I think he's even awesome. after the even after the whole like texting teenagers thing. Listen. Uh, f- listen. I'm, I'm trying right. to I'm trying to close the show out here. Right. You're, you're going down I'm rabbit holes. Uh, there's a lot of things good that came out of this show. One, I want to see how good Bailey is with that belt, with that title, with that championship. Mm-hmm. I want to see if she can hold her own with the likes of Becky and Charlotte, um, I, and frankly, others that are circling the title picture right now. I'd li- I'm happy to see someone besides Becky and Charlotte be the champion for the first time in almost a year. So, amen, amen. Uh, let's uh, let's see, see, see how, how get it goes. a real rain. Let's see who get a real rain without yes. Alexa Bliss giving her kendo sticks. Right, exactly. Um, let's see what happens with Seth and AJ. I'm a big fan of this. I wouldn't mind seeing it force AJ to go down a a mean streak. Uh, I would like to see that. There's also part of me that goes, no, I want to see two of the best wrestlers in the world have some of the best sportsmanship exhibition matches the, the likes of wrestling fans have ever seen. And, and I, either way, I think uh, we're going to get maybe, great maybe, matches maybe out of these w- guys. WWE fans. WWE sure, fans. We're not, sure. We're not getting New Japan stuff over here. Sure. But what I don't want to see happen is it descend into dick punch tomfoolery again. And oh, that's okay. what I'm actually a little bit scared of. For Roman Reigns... Uh, it's 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 the writing's on the wall at this point. If if you can't see it coming by now, you haven't been watching for the last two to three years. <laughs> so we're right back there again, guys. So, wow, you think it's that bad, huh? It's that bad. It's that My that goodness. belt's getting put on Roman at, at it, it. So listen, it's gonna Brock's gonna cash in now within the next thirty to sixty days, and it's what August eleventh, I think, is SummerSlam. Then that's how long we we got less than two months. Or two months at this point, right? Yeah. Um, So I guess my question is, my next question before we get out of here is we haven't had, I don't, I would argue we haven't had an exciting money in the bank winner on the men's side since Dean Ambrose um, when he got it back in 2016 and cashed in immediately. But then again, he didn't have a long reign at all. Year before that was Sheamus. And he held it for a while and cashed it on Roman Reigns, whoop de doo And that was that was not very exciting, but at least it was something. And the year before that, we had possibly one of the greatest cash-ins of all time with Seth Rollins. That'll never get so, overtaken. That'll always be. And it's the only one ever at Mania. That'll always that be the was, best one. That one was great. Ziggler's cash-in was fantastic. On Del Rio, um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that's one of the best ones of all time. Um, Edge's cash-in is still one of the best ones of all time. But uh, you know, I think I think we can all agree Seth's probably the best cash in ever, and Dean's a really good one too. But we've had we've had Baron Corbin, and then Braun Strowman, and this year, Brock Lesnar. Do they need to like look again at, at what their theory is for Money in the Bank and how to like how to how to really pay off this concept? Absolutely, they do. It's it's doesn't need to be the big monster guys, and that's yeah. where it's going wrong. 
It doesn't need to be Sheamus. It doesn't need to be uh, Braun. It doesn't need to be Brock. You know, where it's been fun and successful is the little pecky underdogs, excuse me, the little plucky underdogs coming in and getting that, getting one over on the big guy when it sure. nobody expected it. And that's or where like everybody sudden, loses their minds. Right. Or like Dean Ambrose, the sudden cash in, which is what they've done with the women's for the last two years. Yep. Yep. Successfully. So, amen. So I, I think we're, we are in agreement. Um, not fans of Brock being the beast in the bank or the money in the beast or whatever they're calling it. That's one um, way to put it. it will not be, fans. It will, <laughs> it will be interesting to see where they go from here because they certainly have, I think, uh, it's, it is a turning point, I think, in WWE's history where do they continue to war with the fans and potentially drive away large numbers of their fan base, people who want to watch wrestling but are just not happy with the product that they're getting and you know, are starting to find more and more alternatives, whether that's Ring of Honor, which is having a bit of a tough patch right now, or Impact, which I would argue is having a big comeback and is putting out some pretty good stuff. Or New Japan, which takes a little bit of getting used to and getting into, but is a really rewarding product when you do. Um, or even the smaller, more indie stuff. Or whether it's even just NXT. You know, is this the kind of thing that's going to drive more people away? Uh, because WWE is either tone deaf or just too arrogant to realize what they're doing uh, is shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, and, and so I, I have to say, I've gotten more DMs and messages and tweets and all kinds of stuff. I've gotten more communication in the last 24 hours with people saying that they were actively not going to watch WWE anymore because of this. And they, and it's had, crazy they, because, they had just had enough. Yeah, and it's crazy because there was a lot to like on this show. You know what I mean? Whether it's the, the women's match and Bailey's cash-in and the whole everything with Becky, Seth and AJ, Kofi and, and KO, there was a lot of really good stuff on this show. There's a lot of good stuff going on in WWE. It's just that they're, there's some big, they're big stuff, the big stuff that they're doing, the stuff that they're making us all remember at the top of their card is really rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah. I don't know. I'd Which like is, to actually have a wild. championship match at the end of a pay-per-view for once. Well, this, this, this is the thing with having the big stipulation matches is you kind of want to make those the main event. And I'm not talking I, about I the universal understand. championship. I can understand that. At any rate, sir, that is our that is our recap of Money in the Bank 2019. A controversial show, definitely one that had its ups and downs, things to like, things to hate, and uh, there's a lot to look forward to going forward, in, at least in terms of unpredictability. You mean AEW there's, this weekend? If, oh, -da -da. that reminds me. That reminds me, Nick. We have a special week coming up for everyone listening to this yes, show. Yes, we do. Are, if you are uh, one of our Happy regular anniversary, listeners. by the way, today. Thank you. Thank you. Officially today, today, huh? Yes. yes. Aww. We, we have officially entered year three of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Thank you uh, to all of our listeners for coming along on this journey with us. Uh, as Ian mentioned, we do have a very special week this week for you. Lots of good content. We have uh, this recap of Money in the Bank uh, coming out for you today. Later this week, though, the schedules are going to shift a little bit because of several several different reasons. Um, to help celebrate our anniversary, uh, the impending go live again of us on YouTube, 
uh, as well as Ian uh, being live in Las Vegas this weekend for double AEW's Double or Nothing. Um, we ha- decided on Thursday, due to some travel things that were going on, uh, we found uh, the first special surprise for you for year three. And I'm not going to spoil it here. You'll just have to wait till Thursday. So look forward to that. That's- it's something we hope to do much, much more of in the new year going forward. Uh, our regular show this week will be on Friday. So we are getting that in a little bit, but it will be coming to you from Las Vegas with Sir Ian Davis Las in Vegas. Las Vegas, Nevada. Viva Las Vegas! Yes, I will be. I'll be recording live from the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Las Wages, Nevada. Be coming to you, and we will be doing that show on Friday. Special episode, special bonus, special amazing, cool episode coming on Thursday. I cannot. I cannot wait. I can't wait for that Thursday episode, Nick. I'm so excited for everyone to hear that. So. Good stuff, good stuff all around. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to uh, to giving you another show soon. And thanks to everyone in our watch party on Sunday. It was a it was a pleasure hanging with you all. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I loved I, I, I loved all of them. There were some really funny lines we had going back and forth there. Oh, yeah. It was it was it was good stuff. I can't wait to do that again for other pay-per-views in the future. Uh, Jeff Will just wanted to let you know we tried to call your people, but it went straight to voicemail. So unfortunately, we weren't (laughs) able to get you in on the episode today uh, to be the uh, co-host since you did predict the Bailey win. Unfortunate, we were looking forward to having you on maybe some other time. Uh, But guys, if you want to get in on a lot of that action, you've got to head over to Facebook and join the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group. It is the hub of our operation. I promise you will not be disappointed. I think we had another 20-some people show up over the course of the last week. So uh, everybody's excited uh, that lots of new people are joining it. Don't miss out on that. We do lots of fun stuff exclusively in that group. Speaking of exclusives, if you want to support this show and get in on some bonus episodes, access to ask listener questions, show notes, all kinds of fun stuff behind the scenes, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers there. Uh, the, per- the, the rewards are all listed in the perks. You guys can see them there. Follow us on Twitter over at BWO Podcast as well as YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. We are not the rap song, I promise. Even though it's a decent <laughs> song, it's we're looking for our logo. Be sure you hit that notification bell as well because I worked out all the kinks. As I said at the top of the show, we're going live again probably in the next week or two. So be ready for that. You don't want to miss it. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.